So good to have everybody here this weekend. Thanks for coming out. Um, if this is your uh, first time to be here, welcome home. Um, it's been a, a busy couple of weeks for us, uh, just trying to uh, get into this place and then um, just improve all the things that uh, new construction brings. You have an outlet that doesn't work or a light that flickers or something else that's annoying to you. And so we're in the process of just fixing all the little idiosyncrasies of our building. So thank you for being patient with us. Um, we are in, in a series called Path, and, and really the, the gist of this series was that we could focus just a little bit more on, on what, it, what, what it means to follow Christ and, and some lessons that, that we need to hear as, as believers um, so that we follow well, okay, so that we're on, on this path really, really well. So um, today we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about one of the important things, and that is hearing from God and what, what that means. What does it mean to really hear the voice of the, of the Lord? I, I used to get uh, an annual checkup with my doctor every fall, and um, lately I've been in a pattern of going every two years. Uh, the reason being is because the older you get, the more things they check at your checkup, okay? So uh, I've just been pushing it off. Um, so uh, six weeks ago, I started having some trouble with it with my ears, and um, basically just... Um, I just couldn't hear very well. I had, had a ringing and, and, and whatnot, and uh, I just kept on pushing through and, and just going about my day. And so last Wednesday, three days before our grand opening here, um, I, the guys that were working here, I took a, a drink order and went down to the Conoco to get bottled drinks. And I bent down to get a Dr. Pepper, and when I stood up, I had vertigo. I mean, like that fast. And so I barely made it, made it back to the church and made it, made it home and then was in bed for basically two days and then went into the weekend still very, very dizzy. And so I went to see my doctor and he said, let's take a look at your ears. And so I had a couple of ear infections and he was like, that, that'll do it. And so we started this process of clearing it all up. And uh, my, my point there is that we need a, a, a spiritual checkup sometimes. We need to go to God and, and really open our lives up and say, is there anything going on in me that you need to show me and re re reveal to me? And one of those ways is to hear his voice, uh, to hear from God. We throw that, that around often like, yeah, I heard from God. Or, and, uh, but I'm, I'm talking about with, with great sincerity, really hearing the voice of God. God speaks in a lot of ways. Uh, Job said that he'll speak in this way and that, that, that way, and a man not, not even know it. So there's a lot of creative ways that God will, will use. Sometimes it's his written word. Sometimes it's his voice in our spirit. Sometimes it's through a conversation with a friend. Sometimes it's through a great book. Uh, God will speak to our hearts in many, many ways. Um, I, I've thought about this uh, often over the years, but uh, one time I was uh, at a gas station and uh, Robbie and I were praying about, about transitioning in ministry. And I was pumping gas. And I looked up and there was this sign on the gas station. says, waves of change coming soon. <laughs> and I said... And something dropped in, in my heart, like, yeah, uh, you know, thank you, God. I know that something is around the, the corner for me. So God can even use a banner at a gas station if that's what it takes for us, us to hear him. Um, so th this morning, I think it's important that we get in our faith walk this, this thought and this theology of knowing that we can hear from God, okay? 
Now, I don't want you to be that weird person that hears from God every second of every day. Like, I don't want you to come to me and say, hey, I'm going to eat at Colton's this afternoon because the Lord told me to. Um, I, I had this friend, true story, and he would stand in front of his closet every morning and pray, God, show me what, what to wear. What do you want, want me to wear today? The response from God was always the same thing. It was one word, clothes. Okay, and so... Um, but true story, he would stand there and say, Lord, show me what you want me to wear. I'm not saying that we need to go that far with it. Uh, one of God's greatest gifts is common sense. So in the morning, get up, take a shower, brush your teeth, and put some clothes on. Okay? But after that, let's start hearing from God and asking God, what do you want, want me to accomplish for you? Um, because it's important um, to know that we're going to need God in every season of our, our, our lives. We're going we're gonna to need to hear his voice. We're going to need to get some wisdom from him. When we have a job that looks like it's going to shift, for some of you that are going to consider marriage, for some of you that are considering relocating to another city, there's all kinds of things that are big when you go, I need to hear from God. And so it's very important. If you own teenagers, you're like, God, speak to me now, please, before I become homicidal. Jesus elevated his teaching on the, the word, and he, and he said a couple of things. I want to point those out before I hop in this morning. The first one, he says, he that has an ear, let him hear. So it, it, was, it was a challenge. If you can hear anything, hear this. That's what he's saying. If you have an ear, open it. Hear what I'm talking about. Get what I'm saying. This is what he's, what he's saying. Then scripture goes further, and, all, and it, it gives us an evidence that we are in Christ by knowing his voice. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. So hearing from God is an evidence that we're in Christ. So when, when we're hearing from him, when we're having clarity, when we're getting it, when we're understanding his word, it's just proof, an evidence, a measurability that we are actually in Christ. I don't know if you've read the book, The Shack by William Young, but he does an amazing job of embodying the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit into a form that he can audibly talk to. And my favorite part of the book was actually that, the depiction of God's interaction with man audibly. We know that this happens sometime in, in Scripture. We know that Adam walked with God, talked with God. We know that Enoch had a strong relationship with God. We know that God talked to Moses. It said God talked to Moses face to face as a man does his friend. Um, so we know that there was some big stories in the Old Testament of God actually coming onto a scene and in some way, some physical manifestation or a voice somehow, there was this connection physically with God. And, and I think as followers of Christ, we, we long for that. We, we look at those stories and we go, I mean, uh, he loved he, he, Elijah and Enoch so much that they didn't, they didn't even die a physical death. He just took them. Yeah, he called them his friends. We know that he made a big promise to Ab Abraham. We know that when it came time for Moses to pass, uh, he, he took Moses and buried him where no one could find him. So really strong connection. And I think here in the postmodern church, we read those things and we we long for them. We go, man, I, I really would love to have that kind of clarity in my life. I'd like to have that kind of connection with God. It's a very, very big thing. And so we formulate this question and we say, is God even speaking now? 
I mean, are, are we in silent years? Is, is God speaking now the same way that he talked to Moses and to Abraham? Is God speaking? I think the larger question is not, is God speaking? I think the larger question is, are we hearing? So I firmly believe that we indeed serve a God who is communicating. But I think sometimes we struggle to do the listening. And I'll hop into some of those, those things. My wife, uh, like a lot of your wives, has a spiritual gift for finding items in the refrigerator. Now, if I'm looking for butter, i got to squat down like an umpire over home plate. And I look at one item at a time. So I'm like, oh, that's, not, that, that's milk. That's cheese. Some expired yogurt. I'm looking. I cannot find the butter. And I get frustrated. I'm like, Robbie, where's the butter? She's like, what? I'm like, where's the butter? And she comes out of nowhere. And without even looking, she reaches in and pulls out butter. It's, it's this close to witchcraft. okay? And, and so she finds it. And the point with that is this, that a lot of times hearing from God is like finding items in your fridge. For some of you, it's very, very difficult. And it can be just like, like me, hunkered down, looking at it. It can be right in front of me, the voice of God, what he wants to say, what he's trying to get across to me, but I, I just can't perceive it. Others of you, you find it pretty easy. You, you use those terms often of going, I heard from God. I'm so excited about this day. I'm so excited about the season. I know, I know exactly what's going to happen. I know where God's leading and guiding. And it's, it's almost like a spiritual gift for you. you. You hear very well the voice of God. So there's definitely two big categories in, in the room this morning. For, for some, it's easy. For some, it's more, more difficult. I do think this. I think that hearing from God is not on God. I think it's on us. I think it's up to us to really hear and listen. And I don't want us to be that person, whether it's an individual or whether it's us corporately as a church together. I don't want you or us to take on the attitude, well, God is big enough to get my attention. So if he wants to tell me something, he will come to my attention. If God wants to tell me something, he will split stones, he'll create fire, he will cause an earthquake, he will do something in my life that rattles me and gets my attention. I never want us to be that person, but I want us to rather go to God with great humility and ask him to speak to us. So let's go to work on this passage today. Jesus told a story in Luke chapter 8. It's so lengthy, so I want to just paraphrase for a moment. There's basically, there's a farmer, and he goes out to sow some seed. And in the Middle East in that day, you didn't just drop one seed in one spot and cover it up and water it. You used a method called broadcasting. And so broadcasting was basically taking your hands, dipping them into a bag of seed, and throwing seed anywhere and everywhere. Wherever your property was that you wanted to grow something, you would broadcast the seed. And so you would just walk across your fields and everywhere, just throwing seed, no matter where, just random everywhere. And thus it would land on different types and kinds of soil. In this particular parable, that seed represents the Word of God, hearing from God, getting something from God. And so he's saying, listen, God's Word is going out. It is being broadcast. It is falling everywhere. It is going on a lot of different kinds of, of people and attitudes and outlooks and perspectives. It's falling everywhere. But there was only one soil that was optimal 
to be able to, to get roots and really grow in, what God, in God, what God was doing. So I want to challenge our church today with just a few things about hearing from God. And the whole thing is really an, an application, things that we can do to better ourselves to hear God. The first thing is this, i got to soften my heart. When I talk about softening my heart, you think of terms of our metaphor here, which is soil, to have our heart turned over. The soil to be gone through, to be, to be churned, to be broken up, to be softened, to put us in a place where we are receptive, to where we are, are listening and with great intentionality wanting seed to fall on us. Give me your word. Tell me something. Let me hear from you. And so it's, it's, it's a position of the heart, an attitude that says, I want this. I need this. I am not wise on my own, my own abilities. If I don't hear from you, God, I'm not going to do as well as I, as I could. I'm going to draw from my own strength, my own resources, my own experiences. But God, if I hear from you, that's that's softening our heart to be receptive. This is why Jesus said for us to come to him like a child. Children have big faith, big hearts, very open. Okay, As a matter of fact, with my, my daughter Riley, I have to be very careful with her because if I use the right facial expression and the right tone, she'll believe anything I tell her. When I was a kid, my sister, who's four years older than I am, used to come to me and she would say, listen, I need to tell, I need to tell you something. i said, say, what is it? She'd say, you, the parents that you know are not your parents. They're my parents, but they're not your parents. I was like, what, what happened? Well, your parents put you on our doorstep in a basket. And my parents opened the door one day and there you were. And so we took you in. They loved you as their parents, but they're not your parents. So I'm only, I'm the real kid and you're not. You're a kid in a basket. And so I was like, this is very important information to me. Why did not someone tell me? And so I'm in a fury, and, I'm, and I, I, I go to leave, and, and every time she told me this story, she would, she would pause and go, wait, wait, wait. Don't tell anybody about this, okay? Because mom and dad don't, don't want to talk to you about it until you're old enough to really get it, okay? And so for years, I spent time thinking maybe I did show up in a basket and there were never pictures of me as a baby around the house you know I'm like maybe I don't know what happened and there's no there's no trail of hospital stuff and so I go to my mom one day I'm like listen I need to ask you something did I come in a basket she's like what are you even talking about and so we had this this big thing and she broke out all the pictures and the big chest full of stuff that came from the hospital unless she planted that um then I I I was in re-resolve but a child like Faith will believe anything. They're just open. Tell me. This is why Christ challenges us to come to him as a child with just being absorbent. I'm gonna, Lord, if you say it, I'm going to be, believe it. I, I'm going to trust it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it in my life as truth. And he said, that's what I want you to come to me like. The first type of soul, Luke chapter 8, verse 5, says this. Some seed fell on the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds of the air came and ate it up. And then jump to verse 12. Those along the path are like people who hear, and then the devil comes along and takes away the word from their heart so they cannot believe and be saved. Okay, So two characteristics of this footpath. It is hard and it is narrow. 
Okay, and I want to ask you, do you know anybody like that in your life? Are you like that? Are you married to someone like that? Okay, hardened heart, narrow-minded. We all know somebody like, like that, hard heart, narrow-minded. It takes a lot to get across to them, to communicate a thought, to, 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 to have a conversation with them, to rationalize with them. Hardened heart, narrow-mindedness. And he's saying, well, listen, when the word goes across like that, they are so hardened that it, it cannot even start to grow. And so the birds come along, or the enemy comes along, and snatches it away from them before they can even believe on anything. And so I want to make, make this very important. Can the word get to someone who has a hard heart? Absolutely. The word fell there, but it just doesn't thrive in them. It'll get to them, but because of a hardened heart and a narrow mind, it never goes anywhere. It gets there, but it doesn't stay long. The enemy comes in and robs it, steals it, takes it away. Okay? With this type of attitude, God's word can never take root. It just lays on the surface to be snatched up by the, ne- by the next high-stress circumstance. We talked about this two weeks ago, but the difference maker in this type of soil is are we living our lives from a position of humility or from pride? Because, again, pride looks at God's word and says, I don't need it. It's philosophy. It's a great history. Sometimes it's entertaining. But it's not God's word for my life right now. That's pride. Okay? The second thing, I must carve out some Selah. Selah. I must carve out some Selah. Selah is used 74 times in the Old Testament, 71 in the book of Psalms, 3 in the book of Habakkuk. By definition, this is what it means, to stop and listen, to pause and reflect. Okay, So you think about David, and you're reading through your Psalms, and he's talking about the goodness of God and the greatness and how much he loves him. At the very end, he'll put the word, Selah. What he's basically saying is, is this. When you read this, I want you to just think about the goodness of God, the greatness of God, how much he loves you, and then I want you to take a moment to stop and reflect on it. I want you to pause and listen to God's Word. When you really dig into how this would be applied in, in the Hebrew, it gives this meaning. That you stop, play a musical instrument while listening. So it, it almost gives us a reflection of meditation. God, I am going to take a moment and with great intentionality, I am going to carve out Selah in my life. I am going to put on some music. I am going to turn my phone off. I am going to pause. And I'm going to reflect on our relationship, on your love for me, on your greatness, on the faith in my life, and on what I need from you as a God to pause and reflect, to have some Selah. We must have intentional time with God, however you got to make it happen. If you got to duct tape your kids up, if you got to throw your phone down, whatever it takes, you got to do it to carve out some Selah in your life. Verse 6, other seed fell on shallow soil with rock beneath. This seed began to grow but soon withered and died for lack of moisture. Verse 13, those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe it for a while, 
But in the time of testing, they fall away. Okay, so the first one was so hard, the word could not even get, get root. The second is just enough to where it feeds them for a while and it dies out. Okay, and so in, in other words, shallow Christians, shallow believers, people who know just enough to feel churchy, just enough to be a professional Christian, but not enough to have a real deep-seated relationship with God. This shallow soil represents a superficial mind. It's people who can come to church and they say, I love God and I, and I, I love them and I love His Word until you put them under pressure. And when you put them under pressure, since they have no depth, they're only giving you a surface-level religious response to what their experience is in life. Very, very shallow people. This would also rep- represent those whose entire worship experience is built on emotion. And we've talked about this many times. I love emotion. I believe God gifted it to us. It's an expression of what's going on on the inside of us. I love looking across the room during worship. Some of you like, like to cry. Some of you like to lift your hands. Some of you like to get solemn. Some of you like to just sit and have Selah, to just pause and reflect and feel the presence of God. There's a lot of different worship personalities in our church. And I love that about you. I love that about our church. But you can't let emotion be all there is. It can't just be tears and solemn moments or a goosebump. It's got to be something that has a root system grows. I cannot tell you how, how many times, and I, I don't say this to brag on any aspect of our church. I say it to prove a point. I cannot tell you how, how many times people would say, hey, I was really moved by that message, or hey, during worship, I cried the whole time this morning. That's great, and it tells me this, that we have succeeded for that moment, at, at, at least, at broadcasting the word. It's hit the soil. But after that, you look at that person's life in a month and they're robbed of joy. They're wringing their hands, worried about every aspect of life. There's, it's like there's no perceivable difference in their life having had the Word. you got to allow the voice of God, the Word of God, to hit the bedrock of our personality and create change in us. Number three, I must remove the things that choke God's Word in me. Verse 7, he says, other seed fell among thorns, okay? Another translation says weeds, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Verse 14, this seed that fell among thorns stands or represents those who hear the word, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries and riches and pleasures, okay? Here's a somewhat of a theological question. How much effort does it take to grow weeds? Okay, weeds, not weed. Okay, I know some of y'all, right right there, you're like, you got to clean out a closet in your house, put a little special light in there. That's how you get started. That's how it all goes down. Okay, we're going to have an altar call for y'all in just a minute. The answer on how much effort does it take to grow weeds is this, nothing. There's no effort at all. Don't do anything. And weeds will come. Okay? Look at your yard right now. If you're not tapped into a lawn service or doing something yourself, you got weeds. It's going to happen. Do nothing and it's going to happen. But a plant 
takes cultivation and care and intentionality and pruning and the regulation of water. It takes an effort to maintain something great. Weeds are nothing more than a sign of neglect. And when I start neglecting my time with God, when I start neglecting the spiritual aspect of my life, I get weeds. And those weeds communicate things like I start thinking my life group is not necessary. I don't need to be in community. I don't need to be with other people. I don't need to be around folks. I'm good enough by, by myself. Nobody needs to hear what I say. Nobody needs my contribution. I'll do my thing. They, they do their thing. And weeds choke out your desire to be around other folks. We stop worshiping. We come, we sip our coffee, we, we stare, uh, but worship suddenly becomes that thing that we do before Kevin gets up and talks about something. It's no longer the experience between you and God and you, you wanting to have that moment for your week where you just fill him with other believers of like faith. Stop worshiping. We stop studying the word. And the cares of life begin to populate our mind. I've done it. You've done it. We get so overwhelmed. This verse says that, that the riches and the pleasures of life begin to choke out. Just, just life, man. Life just happens. And we, our spirituality, we just kind of shelve it. And we go, when everything's better, I'll, I'll hop back into that. And we start to lean on monetary things instead of the strength of God to get through life. Monetary things look like, what could I buy right now to make me just feel better? So I'm going to get out on a Saturday, I'm going to go shop, I'm going to swipe a card a few times, I'm going to get something new, I'm going to get some endorphins going, I'm going I'm to try to feel better about my circumstance, I'm going to get my mind off it, I'm going to shake it off. And so you, you depend upon a purchase rather than the presence of God to get you through a tough moment. We say things like, where can I go? I mean, I need to get away. I need to escape. And, and now a destination becomes more important than just being in the presence of God. We say things like, what can I drink right now to just give me a couple of hours break? I just need to knock the edge off. I need something. We start leaning into life's pleasures and riches and the monetary side of things as the remedy for what God is over here saying, if you will just hear me, if you'll just listen, then I can bring resolve to this. Okay? Let me be your filter for life. Last, I'll, I'll close with this. We not only need to deal with the neglect in our life, carve out some time for Selah, but we need to value his voice. Whatever I value, I make time for. You know, I, I know you do it because I, I do it. But when you look at social media, you, you look at all these great pictures of people's lives, and you realize that's items in their life that they, they, they value. And they value them so much, they want to share them with people who love them. And so... You look around and, and you go, man, that, that person values that. They value their family. They value uh, you know, uh, riding motorcycles. They value travel. They value this or that. Whatever we value the most, we, we show up for. And this is the end of, of a school year. And we're seeing Instagram full of pictures. Kids graduating. 
hard and graduate and start careers, go to grad school, keep dreaming, whatever, start a business. We look at, at our kids, and man, we got all these award ceremonies and these banquets to go to. We, we take pictures of that as parents. We show up for it. Here's why. Because you value your children. So you show up for it. I mean, are you excited about filling the lunch cafeteria room with a bunch of loud kids to receive a coin that costs $2? No. You value your kid, though. And that stamp of approval that somebody says, hey, they got all A's for the whole year. Let's give it up. And your kid hears that and appreciates that. And you're like, that's my kid. You value it. And you show up for it. Let me show you a picture from last weekend. This is a picture of, of my, my dad and Rick last weekend. And it's one of my favorite because this epitomizes my father. Just a lot of laughter, a, a whole lot, a lot, of, a lot of joy. You guys leave, leave that up for a little bit. And... Here, here's the thing. My dad is a, is a quiet guy in terms of words. Like, like we never just like sat down. He's like, I want to talk to you about, about life. No, his, his, his life was the sermon for our family. Okay? He was not a pastor, never in ministry. But he always had, had a life sermon. And so last weekend was our grand opening and my father was here. Now, he does not come to this church. And we would not be his first choice of flavor of church, okay? He, he would like, he likes churches that do other things, and that's great. There's a lot of great churches here. We just do church a different way. But he came, and he sat on the front row, and when he left, this is not about, I'm going to brag on my dad. This is not, a, he, he didn't say one thing about, man, son, that, that new lighting system, woo, that's slick. No, he didn't say anything about the building, he just simply, in, in his own quiet way, just told me how, how he was proud of me, okay? So he does not go to church here, would not choose a style of church the way we choose to worship and teach, but he came because he values me. He just showed up, okay? And he does from time to time. He just shows up. The point there is this. The, the message is, I value you, therefore I come. And when we value the voice of God in our lives, we will show up. We will carve it out, rearrange things, we'll make time. Some of you are fantastic parents. You work a lot. You're just far enough separated from the generation above you where, where, where you still say things like, I want my kid to have what I didn't have. So you, you might work an extra job. You might show up at school e events still with grease under your fingernails, and smelling like you've been wherever you have been, but you show up. Why? Because you value it. I believe that's what God wants from us. He wants us to soften our heart be receptive, get our hands in it, pull the weeds out, work on our relationship with him. As we're on this journey, as we're on this, this faith walk that it's not, Lord, I love you and everything's great and I neglect you and, or I, I, I stay with you when everything is, 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 is great and when things are bad, I, I walk away from you, but, but Lord, I, I'm, I'm in this with you. 
And some of you this morning, I mean, with everything that is in me, I just feel like you need to hear from God. There may be many, many circumstances that are rep- represented this morning, and you say, man, if I don't, if I don't hear from God on this one, I'm going to really make a bad mistake. If I don't, if I pull from my own experiences on this, I don't, I don't have a context for it. I don't know. I don't have anybody in my life who I feel like I can go to and get counsel with. There's just nothing there. And you need to hear from God. Maybe you just graduated. And to this day, in your heart of hearts, you really say, I have no idea what the next month or two months is going to look like for me. And you need to hear from God. For some of you, you're at a crossroad. You need to hear from God. For some of you right now, you are contemplating divorce. And you need to hear from God. You look at at your children as a parent. You're lost. I don't know. I don't know how to fix them. I don't know how to reach them. I don't know how to convince them that they're loved and that God loves them. I don't know. You're lost. You need to hear from God. Here's why that's important. Because if we lean into the monetary things, when you go on, on, on a trip, listen, the trip ends. You drink something, it runs out. You buy something, that high lasts a day, two days. Most of us can't even list three items we got for Christmas. Why? Because the excitement dissipates. But when we hear from God, it gives us the confidence to look at our circumstances. And we view it all through what God has said. So no matter which direction we turn, no matter how we apply our lives, we, we see what He has said first. It allows us to see the mountains as being something that one day I'm going to get over. The deserts is something we're going to get, get through. I know because I heard from God. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to grow from it. I'm going to be a better person when this is over. I know the answer. I know what I have to, to do. And when we hear from God, it lets us hold our head up. He didn't fix it all. He doesn't didn't make life perfect. But it does let you go through it knowing that he's at least talked to you about it. Okay? I just want you to bow your heads with me real, real quick. And simply this morning you just say, Kevin.